0: Cube buddy.
1: They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back,
0: baby, come back. Bye 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 bye. Bye 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Bye 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 bye. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm all right. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I see. I'm I'm uh, I'm thirsty as hell because we've already. Oh, you know,
1: oh, I'm thirsty as well. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> I am I and I don't just want water. I want something that. <laughs> it's a bit more than water bottles and possibly alcoholic.
0: Yeah, and sorry sorry listeners if um it's the second episode in the row that we're kicking off with beer. So welcome welcome to Bad Boy Running firstly. Welcome welcome. <laughs> but um yeah, we've we've got a new sponsor and the trouble is I've realized we do the interview first with our guest. Yeah. And then afterwards we record the intros and outros. So in my head I'm ready Where for a beer. Gone? Oh. so in my head i'm ready for the bit i'm ready for that beer when i start recording the podcast but then we do the whole of the interview where i'm desperate for that beer so now we're at the start of the podcast for you but for us we've been sat in a pub with no drink for about an hour and a half already
1: absolutely and that's why that's why our podcast interviews are getting shorter and shorter we're just <laughs> desperate to get them off so we can start drinking
0: <laughs> indeed indeed oh,
1: oh. what, what <laughs> we, we you know, like we made this we made this joke didn't we so i in some podcast episode at some point in the past that i can't remember but we made this joke because when when we got a professional um, intro um, it was a bit like wayne's world going professional and now that <laughs> and now that we've got sponsors it's this really dodgy sponsorship thing like oh what's that david oh what's that you're popping open oh just a cool fresh
0: beer we've even so got, we've got an advert jingle
1: we should do an advert jingle. In fact, by the time you hear this, there might even be an advert jingle on it. I I wouldn't put your money on it,
0: but there might be. And I, I think it's probably going to be a rap. A bit, a bit, bit 52 bit, a bit, a bit. Remember when we used to sing the intros? I think those are better days. Not not taking away from Pato and his incredible intro. Um, but I think it it left a little bit more of um, what's it going to be?
1: yeah what's it going to be is this ever going to end they're never going to keep this up for 150 episodes
0: <laughs> and we didn't and we didn't. We didn't we, didn't, we didn't we didn't we
1: gave up pretty quick on that so this is how this is how good we are at sponsorship not mentioning the sponsor's name yet brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant
0: uh, beer 52 beer 52. in fact if you want to drink along with us go to beer 52.com slash and you get a whole crate of beer for the price of postage, which is £2.95. £2.95. For a, 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 no one
1: can believe it. Whenever I tell them this company, can I get all these beers for two ninety-five, And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. But I, if you're out of the UK, though, I
0: don't think you can have any, can you?
1: Well, it serves you right for not living in the UK. This is Brexit, bitches. This is but what happens.
0: If you are outside of the UK and you want my address so you can take advantage of this great offer, I will hold them for you. <laughs> but well, we also we, provide your billing details as well <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> mm, there's no point in billing the uh yeah my bank account it's gonna bounce back but what are you on today Jodie? i am drinking a beer that i cannot pronounce called Erica.
1: oh that's brilliant i the, the brew will be delighted that you've um <laughs> so i'm i'm drinking um uh Well, it says S M A S H, Smash Mosaic, which is uh, from uh, Dogma Brewery. This
0: is from Belgrade. Um, Let me just have a quick sip here. Wait a minute. You see, I I don't even know what this symbol, how to pronounce the symbol on top of the letter. Um, It's like a dash above a U. You say you say the dash. Oh, do you? Oh, so it's (laughs) a dash U N U (laughs) R. Yeah, that's right. Great beer. I, I do like it. Nice parallel. So, drink along at home, people.
1: Yeah. Look at this. I got, mine's got a big fist, which I like. It, mine's, like, very cartoony. I don't it's really a,
0: know. It's, it's making a statement about the punch, but, um oh, I do like that. Six <laughs> percent. Cool. go down quickly, won't it?
1: Well, I, I, I can... There's tropical and grassy aromas washing over me right now, underpinned by a light and crispy 100% pilsner malt base, I, I feel. The great thing about this, about this subscription... Is that it comes with a really a brilliant magazine. This magazine's really good,
0: and I'm I've not just, just saying that. I've left it on the coffee table to read at some point, but I haven't got around to it. But what what I do like so this beer, and uh, and don't worry, listen, we will talk about running at some point on the podcast. Well, at I some point, can we promise three that? Time?
1: Can
0: we <laughs> it? <laughs> I wouldn't. But there's there's no English on the label, other than um, other than the ingredients. It says the uh, and then. There is English in the description that just says, "Eliac, a do not give a fuck state of mind. <laughs> so, well, That's I, gone through
1: Google Translate,
0: hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the name of the brewery. <laughs> so um, it's quite an aggressive statement
1: there. So I think Libby, Libby saw the magazine, and the magazine's called Ferment, mm. which can mean one of two things. So you look at it, that, oh, that's obviously beer, but it might be like that sort of hippie-ish... Um, like fermenting scene thing going on but all that gut health thing Actually, all those she, she might have thought oh no he's turned proper hippie
0: now you know we have there is a do who makes professionally a uh, kombucha a kombucha maker yeah yeah he's just launched kombucha into the market I can't remember the name of the company though. so it's terrible, terrible marketing for them. I did say I'd mention it. So, uh, <laughs> I'd say I'd
1: mention you, but I can't remember your name. Wow, what a shout out. I think they
0: were called Combi Boiler. <laughs> Combi Boiler. That's a great name. That would be a great name. I'll look it up. I'll look at that and put it in the Greek. But, um
1: Well, I don't know. Are you? I, I'm drinking, but are you, are you eating anything at the same time? I am not eating. I've had my I dinner. I am i am i'm eating these yummy uh cliff bar nut butter oh, did they sent uh, them to
0: uh, you amazing hey. <laughs> <laughs> i asked great to put some in the paste i did uh, get
1: a lovely note from cliff bar craig in there <laughs> he's, he's great isn't he he is great <laughs> they're ridiculously tasty i don't think they're too
0: tasty of anything they're like dangerously tasty
1: I like the way that they um, did a comedy misspelling of my name on the uh, on the address. That's hilarious.
0: I might have I might have spelled no your name shit. that way for them. No shit. <laughs> did he also write your name wrong in, inside? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. It's great. He'll always, whenever he thinks of you, now think of you as as female JD. It's great. I love that. I love that so much. It's so funny. You know, um, I on Facebook you
1: mm. have those memories. Literally every month I get hit with memories of uh, my name um, being either misspelt or um, being referred to as a girl in some important official documentation. Um, Pretty much on monthly basis. Like my passport? (laughs) Well, I did have it on my NHS card once, which was a little (laughs) bit worrying. (laughs) That'd be great. I went for for my
0: first smear test. (laughs) What did they smear? (laughs) I wish I hadn't said that. Now anyway, actually. anyway. So how are you, JD? How is the how's the back? How's the five k? I'm. Training I just again? the more.
1: I've just. I have. I'm starting to have nightmares now about um getting a uh, an Iron Man tattoo. Um <laughs> and this. I just. This is. I. I just don't. You know when you feel like completely helpless. Um. You know when you have those dreams where you're like running and you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And then you wake up and you're not even running and you're still not getting anywhere. That's what it, that's what it feels like right now. Oh. I don't. I think I'd be absolutely if my back wasn't hurting. I think I'd be. I think I'd be killing it right now. Belly's gonna get you. So thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, my buddy for so, uh, for for everything. How about you? How how are you? How's your running going?
0: Um. Well, I've I've now got I've got my motivation back. Well, that's good. Yeah, I was very much in. A, I really can't be bothered. I've got no big races coming up. Um. But then this weekend was the Met League, the cross-country league, happened again. Bruno was there, a few other do Ellie Tate, um, but, oh my word, I f- so for one, it was the, the hottest Met League I've ever done, so no one wore spikes because it was too dry.
1: You say hottest as in heat, as hottest
0: as in yeah. the best-looking best looking lineup we've or, seen so far. A little bit that as well, but... Um, I tell you, doing, I, I, about halfway through that race, I thought, this is the hardest race I have ever run. What? Just so, cause it's just so brutal. You, um, especially the one that's in Claybury, where you start with a 300 meter, 400 meter tunnel, where 20 meters across, goes down to about four meters across so you've got to start out unbelievably quick or else you're going to get trapped and so going into it not being fit not knowing what my pace should be and then having to start quickly meant that um by about one lap even less than that i was already ruined and i'll tell you it's i think it's the hardest race there is because you race five miles at 5k intensity and every single step you've got another club mate you've got another rival around you and so you can you just can't you can't slow down because you're letting too many people down you've got to get involved mate oh now i think i've lost you JD. JD. that's right listener we're taking a little time out from the bad boy running podcast being a vegan, JD sometimes needs to take a break just to get rid of all the gas in his belly. Anyway, back to the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listener, um, uh, there might have just have been a sudden pause in just what happened there, and that's because we've just had a power cut that happens that happens often toast knife in the toaster uh yeah pretty much
0: has uh, libby just um put her hair dryer in the bath done away with it all? <laughs> i'm in the bath she's just throw the toaster in there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it happens it happens quite a lot um which is wow. slightly worrying that's not a good sign is it yeah i mean like we are you know in the middle of nowhere in sussex that's you know, sparsely populated area.
0: What it is, I'd imagine the whole of Sussex is being run on biodegradable gas, and so the electricity grid isn't as stable as elsewhere because of the Green Party.
1: No, 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 no. That would just be Brighton. Brighton would be Brighton is powered by.
0: Um, uh, Spock farts. <laughs> <Sposhfart. laughs> <laughs> South Park episode. Is that... <laughs> The smell of one's own gas.
1: That is pretty much what, what fuels uh but um the rest of uh the rest of Sussex is is fueled by um hatred of immigrants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really? Sussex is Sussex quite racist?
1: Oh my god! Yeah of course it is
0: Ah Yeah. Didn't really, I mean, as a as, as someone who looks as white as white people can be, because I've never encountered that myself. Never encountered racism. I almost look like a like a, an, an Aryan Jesus to someone.
1: It comes as a surprise to me that you've never encountered racism, David. I'm quite surprised. Have you, have you encountered discrimination in any any form?
0: Um, I mean. Absolutely. Um, a lot of women have discriminated against me based on looks, personality, <laughs> a whole host of reasons that, you know, I, I've asked the, the police to intervene, but apparently it's perfectly legal. Hashtag justice for David. <laughs> justice for David. Exactly.
1: <laughs> you, should, you should report that to the Equalities Commission. That is shocking <laughs> behaviour.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't discriminate in who I uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't say that.
0: No, I do. I do heavily, which is why I've ended up with the the best of the best. um,
1: (laughs) That was really, really well recovered.
0: (laughs) Needed to be, but um, wow. I mean, I. It could be that the grid was listening to my story and said, "We need to cut this."
1: (laughs) The internet is censoring you now. (laughs) it is yeah power grid no russians were hacking into the power grid (laughs) and listening to your story and they were like
0: no let's they've gone through enough let's close this down i would i want to know what if how russia would change our podcast
1: oh it might improve the sound quality
0: (laughs) They, yeah they
1: what would they actually do Do you know what do you know what right week i reckon it wouldn't be too hard pushed for us to get a show on Russia Today. Do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. They will let any any Westerner um, who who tries to get some element of an audience on there. That yeah, you because know, it's a massive like propaganda arm, isn't it? It's just and so any like <clears throat> any Westerner goes on there. You know, it's like some sort of like um, useful idiot to them, isn't it? And I think we so could about, we could be useful idiots, but and well paid useful
0: idiots as well. How about we c- corroborate the Salisbury story and we see? Oh yeah, these guys love they love cathedrals. <laughs> they love cathedrals. He came to visit me to win Winchester we Cathedral. He's such a big fan. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. That could work. Yeah, we could get spo- sponsored by the Russian uh, Russian <laughs> government.
0: <laughs> so. I mean, at the moment we get to drink beer from Beer 52, what would we get from the Russian government? As much oil as we wanted? Um, I would we- expect
1: it would be mainly vodka-based uh, vodka stuff. As many um, uh, Matryoshka dolls as we can uh, fit inside one another.
0: We could, we could probably get quite a few hectares of Ukraine.
1: I tell you what, us partnering with Russia is probably my best chance of podiuming, podiuming podiuming yes of winning a race actually i think that's a very very good opportunity
0: oh, no the, the main reason we want to partner with russia imagine when it came to internet voting uh the running awards the oh. podcast awards, the, we oh, would we. absolutely smash it in every
1: category that is exactly what needs to happen
0: Putin, we know you're listening. We know you're you're listening. There's no
1: doubt. One, because you love the show, and two, because (laughs) your security services are listening as well. So you're listening twice.
0: In fact, um, just to make sure, um, blowing up the Kremlin is now being included as a statement, as is homosexuality in Russia, and Putin is the greatest. (laughs) Do you think that... I think they're monitoring everything. I think they're going to pick up on that. It's going to be flags. And he's going to say, I like these boys. <laughs> <it up. laughs> I like these boys.
1: <laughs> There's a dodgy flashback. <laughs> I, heard that before. I like these boys. Um, it's really funny because we watched, we watched the, did you watch the bodyguard? Everyone watched the bodyguard. Did you watch the bodyguard? I've...
0: I've watched enough things about people watching The Bodyguard to feel like... (laughs) To feel like you've watched it. Yeah.
1: Because there's a thing in there where he goes on the internet and he does some searches in order to get found. And Libby's like, but how did they know who's at Internet Cafe? She thought this was all a bit far-fetched. I'm like, I tell you what's far-fetched, the fact that there's an Internet Cafe in 2018. Honestly. What? So, yeah, she's like, "How how do they know? I'm like... Because it's clearly a search, it's clearly a flagged search for the security services. She's like, "But do they do that?" I'm like, "What? Where? Where have you been?" Like, of course they do that. And it was Libby just had no idea, didn't realise. Fortunately, it being the BBC, they had to explain it about three minutes later for people that didn't know.
0: And how did how did Whitney work that into a song? I mean that's uh, the bit that lost was, me. And I will
1: not use an internet cafe in 2018 because I've oh, got a smartphone. No, dear, my <laughs> I will not. I forgot to go in incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's. Go um, on, seg seg into Africa on that one.
0: Well, I mean, I I was I was still in mid flow, um, but actually. As I was rudely disrupted by my lack of talent in the Met League, I feel the podcast being rudely interrupted through our lack of talent as well. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> Wait, before we go on, we should actually talk about Cuntface Twatbiscuit.
0: Oh, Shouldn't we, we? really should. Because oh. he, he has excelled himself. I don't oh. know how you managed to say it so eloquently. It's quite a, quite a mouthful.
1: Cuntface Twatbiscuit. I don't know. It, um, what's the name is of the guy? I, I don't. I don't think it is hyphened. I think it's all one word.
0: All one word. Cuntface Trap Biscuit. Yeah, it's, trap uh, biscuit. it's the new campaign by um FC UK. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, he's he's excelled himself by well, and again controversy. Why does he does he follow controversy or does controversy follow him?
0: It's true, actually. There are no other do who and. In general, the only people who are incredibly quick who have this much controversy all take drugs. That is true.
1: And he's the opposite, because he doesn't take any, even when he's supposed to, on a race. Even when he's <laughs> supposed to be taking.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard I went to he went to the alcohol. But yeah, yeah um, fill me in.
1: So, um, uh, Richard McDowell, of course, um, C.F. Tb, uh, he uh, ran Bournemouth Marathon, and being the absolute legend he is, he wasn't satisfied with like knocking nine minutes off his PB this time, um, or some, something ridiculous like that. Uh, he <laughs> also he also came second, um, which again is a fantastic achievement. But he's uh, not... quite a big race. Oh, quite a big race, quite a big race. Um, unhappy with that though, because the person who came in first um, went the wrong way. And um as he said, I didn't want to take anything away from uh, you know, his achievement and everything, but uh did report that to the race director. Um and um the race director's let it stand because he ran the same distance and it was the fault of a marshal. So I don't know what happens it what I, what
0: do you think? What do you think, David? It's tough as well. I mean, because uh CF TB, uh which is the worst kind of TB, I think. Um uh, if you're going to catch one of the deadly diseases, um, he 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 was only about a minute behind, and he gets to this position where um I mean, no one no one runs 26.2 miles in a marathon, and Rich I, he's not really he's not learned how to aggressively corner yeah. well enough to just run 26, 26.2 miles, and so I think one of the points would be. When you're in a marathon, even if you're at the front, you're going to run 26.3, 26.4 easily. Um, And ultimately, it's a race. And so if someone, even if they run the same distance, it completely changes how they run and how the other person runs. And so you can't predict who would have won because... They would have been overtaking at different times when they'd have had different energy levels, they'd have had different motivations. I think you've got to give the win to both of them. I think it's something where the the race organizer goes, look, we you know we fucked up. You both get the full prize, which is probably not that much extra from second prize to first prize, and you let them both win. I think it would be hard harsh to disqualify the other guy because he's not done anything wrong. But at the same point, you're punishing. You are punishing uh, cuntface for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> are we going to beep any of this out?
1: <laughs> I was thinking, is the c word acceptable? When did that allow? When was that allowed? When, <laughs> <laughs> if it's someone's name, we can't help that. I don't know.
0: Let's We're see... just reporting on the We're news. Report...
1: Yeah, exactly. This is just report reportage.
0: What would what would the BBC do if there was a new album out from cuntface twat biscuit?
1: uh i don't know what they would do actually they probably they, they'd say it i think i could see i could say i could see fiona bruce saying it
0: so i've downloaded a few albums recently and i didn't realize until i was playing so claire and i often run together she's injured at the moment but you know we go out for a little jog. and i'll have the speaker on and bluetooth fit. i've downloaded an album i can i don't even know who it is it's quite it's quite blue with the end bomb. Oh, okay. Which, when you're running through a lovely park, you know you, you feel a little bit bad. Am I running? Am I doing a bad thing by having corona um, blaring out for a few seconds? But you think I'm only here for a few seconds. But suddenly, when the end bomb drops in public, that is where you, I think it reflects badly But I don't even wait, know wait, why it, like is sequo- it. In,
1: why, but are you listening to any
0: headphones? No, no, because I have it on, because Claire and I run together, we have it on speakers so we can both listen.
1: Isn't that a little bit inconsiderate for everyone else?
0: I, I, not really. I mean, it's only as loud as a conversation. So for me, it's like having a conversation. People love it, actually, when you're on past, They're always smiling.
1: What, with your racist music playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are always like, yeah! <laughs> they're yeah. Always, shouting, always shouting and waving their arms at
0: us. I'm always, it's because I'm running in Sussex. They're like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but I almost feel like... I don't think white people really should be allowed to listen to music with the n bomb out loud. I think I, it's too controversial.
1: I um I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to it as long as you're not singing along to
0: it. <laughs> that's that's the worry. <laughs> what, so what do you do? Do you miss the word? Do you do you beep it? Do you do you substitute another word? Um, I, I, do you substitute another word? What like, like what? <laughs> In, in the same way, like you'd substitute funk for fuck, like get the funk out. That was a classic tune. Or let's get it started slam dunk.
1: You tell me that slam dunks the <laughs> funk. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. <laughs> it was, meant something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, I mean uh, CJ, no, no, CJ, AJ, abs, abs. abs here's he a film fan.
1: that's a that's a five joke for anyone that didn't yeah. <laughs> really. did you see did you see Strictly it had the back backstri- no, the, the backstreet boys the backstreet boys were on it what they've reformed what what oh what were they singing they, were, they did a little medley a medley of their classics
0: what is it still on the iPlayer I will genuinely go and watch that yeah it's on there so Briggsy is I'd... off to um LA uh, Las Vegas oh in... okay 10 days or so. Yeah. Guess who's playing? Uh, Guess who's back? Backstreet's back. Oh, what? Is it? Are they? So she's there for the weekend. I was saying, whatever you do, you have to go and see the Backstreet Boys. It will be the greatest concert you've ever seen. Um, They sang
1: live, um, which... (laughs) 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 I admire them for singing live. It's... uh... (laughs) But they got the moves. They really got the moves still. They oh, got, really? Yeah, they got all the moves down and everything. They were singing and doing the moves, because that's the way you come on, come on stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, on live TV. So it, it, it was impressive in a way. But the thing is, they're all a little bit older. So they've all, you know, it's some of them who were like heart back in the day, uh, you know, wearing hats now. They, you, know, when you know when someone's got a big fat neck and then they shave their beard to make it look like they've got a jawline.
0: Oh yeah, yeah it's a bit yeah. like
1: that. And then some of them look alright, and then other ones have had a bad dye job. Yeah, everything that's a little bit Ooh. too, you know, um,
0: Some of them have not aged as well.
1: See, so, you know, they've just well, they've aged normally, but they've tried to hide it,
0: you know. And you're
1: just okay. like, well, don't you know, just let? Everyone knows that you you can't get younger, and so just you know, relax with it. And um, but yeah, they still got the moves. I thought they were quite impressive. But then the fact that they sang live was. I, it's a tough gig um dancing and singing live but you know fuck it how many people do that
0: and i i'm assuming you're gonna you've brought this up because did they drop the n-bomb on strictly absolutely all the time they couldn't stop it <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't stop it at all guess who's back Bloody too much immigration <laughs> is back <laughs>
1: yeah every, brexit's affecting everything brexit and trump I don't know every, every <laughs> you go in, you go in like uh, anything just turns to some sort of immigration issue. I don't know it's incredible at the moment, but um
0: so so, um, so anyway back to um back to sea faced so tea biscuit yeah um yeah i i mean it's I think it's incredibly harsh and rich, especially because it's such a big i think to win a race is pretty cool but to win the bournemouth marathon that is a proper scalp yeah
1: that's
0: good yeah that's one where you could have i mean the it's really high level um really big race so yeah i think the the race director's got to suck it up and say you've both won we're gonna we're gonna say it's our fault and then everyone's happy because what's the alternative
1: yeah yeah absolutely i think so the um I don't know. I don't know what you're in that situation. You know, it's it's a bit of a mistake to make, isn't it? In a big marathon like that, of directing yeah. the leader in the wrong way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think he was in the lead there. I think he was in second place.
1: Oh, when he? He
0: was he? Yeah, when he was directed the wrong way. Oh. Which which oh, is why it makes a, why it makes a difference because he he actually ran a different profile in terms of up and um, you know. Height, height, scaled, but also he then would have overtaken rich at a different time. And that's where it completely changes the race because you may be feeling very different from one mile to the next and how you respond would be based on that exact moment in the race. And so it, you know, there's no way of predicting what would have happened. It could have been a completely different story. Um, and it, it, you know, it could be that he would have run 26.6 miles on his watch had he done the whole thing, you can't just look at a watch and say your your um, Sante said twenty six point two because you don't know how accurate that is, and you do weave anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't count anyway because he wasn't wearing his uh, BBR top, so mm. that's
0: true. Or, and, he did, yeah. and he
1: and he never does press ups, so oh. uh, then it's it he it, it might as well not
0: bother. I heard the other guy did press ups.
1: I heard the other guy did press ups. I'm a massive, yeah. massive fan. I think basically, yeah. if you if you do come in behind um Conface Twack Biscuit uh, and he doesn't do <laughs> press ups, do press ups, and you you just get you get elevated above him in terms of the rankings. Official UK yeah. Athletics they they recognise that. They do.
0: They do. Ish. Indeed. So from um, from officially recognised records to epic challenges for the yet to be world records.
1: Uh, that's all right Hmm. Mm.
0: Mm, we've done better, haven't we?
1: That's well, From someone who, uh, doesn't drink and, uh, doesn't succeed at winning races, uh, to someone who used to drink a lot and is successfully completed a traverse of Africa. <laughs> 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 Average.
0: So, Do Badders, we're always asking you to suggest people to come on the podcast. And actually, Mike Seaman, who is organising the National Running Show, um, suggested our next guest, partly because he's doing epic things. He's just run across Africa and it, literally run, no walking, ran the whole way. But also, he, uh, he's known as being a bit of a party animal in his previous life as well. So, well, we thought, classic Do battery. got to get him on the show. So, welcome on the podcast. Brendan Rendell, hey.
2: Hey. <laughs> how you doing? Not bad, not bad, just um, recovering, adjusting back, um, processing it all, um, taking it all in um, and just sat, sat here now and just thinking did I really do that because it was so epic. How many days ago was it? It was, so I finished on the 8th of September so I've only really been back a month. And have you left the house a lot or have you been, I mean, what what has your routine been in that one month? So I, I got back, went to my parents in Somerset where I'm from. Um, the I finished on the Saturday the 8th and then a week later I did the park run down in Somerset because I thought I need to keep the momentum going. <laughs> I was on, on a bit of a high, so I did a nice little park run. Um, and then I've just been doing lots of like interviews and stuff like that about the run um, and then straight back to work. I work with uh, children with learning difficulties and autism. Um, so I was straight back to work, which was really good because I think sometimes after you have these massive epic runs, mm. you can hit a lull. Um, and I think it's it was really important for me to, to keep busy. So I uh, just did the Manchester half marathon yesterday in fancy dress. Um, <laughs> so that was a good, good way. So, yeah, so I've been I've pretty been pretty busy. So how would,
1: how, just let's just get some comparisons here. How would you compare, um, running, uh, how many miles was it across Africa? 2,474 miles. 2,474 miles across Africa. How would you compare that, um, against your local park runs? Mm, which is tougher? The
2: park run. Because <laughs> there was lots of people. <laughs> uh, um, no, there was no comparison um obviously but um the park run was fun because it was quite nice to be around lots of people again um probably a great opportunity to set a pb as well of all those miles in the legs well um, no it was quite slow though it was, it was okay it was an okay time but it wasn't definitely wasn't a pb but i think i was just too too worried about talking to people like i was in the manchester half yesterday I was thinking, oh, I need to run actually, but not stop and talk to people.
1: <laughs> so is that, is that, is that serious, is that a serious thing that when you came back, you know, literally, you just hadn't spoken to, to people for so much, such a long time because you were on your own for such long periods?
2: No, no, I had, I did have a small support team. Um, but I think they're not, none of them were real runners. So mm. I don't think, I think when I got back, people really grasped, cause obviously people that run really know what it's like to cover a marathon every day. Yeah. Mm. And even the team saw it and they knew it was emotional. I don't think they kind of grasped the mentality of coming to do that day in doubt because they'd known that I've done things before. So I think they just thought, oh, this is just what Bren does. Uh, <laughs> so, not impressed. <laughs> no, I don't think they were. I think they were just, I think they were more about looking at their screens or looking at, I don't know, rather than me running through 35 degree heat, dodging lions. Because this isn't <laughs> Cause your first challenge of, I mean, it's the, the biggest one you've done, but you've
0: done similar kind of back to back challenges mm. before, haven't you?
2: Yeah, 2016, I ran became the first person to run the length of Malawi, which was 708 miles in 27 days, and the challenge there was 27 marathons, 27 days, hmm. um, and that was to raise money to build a, help build a school in Malawi. So we raised 35,000 for that one, and then I flew back and um I decided I wanted to run John O'Groats to Land's End because it felt right because it was like five years ago I cycled it. Hmm. So I ran I ran that one 962 miles in 35 days. And that's what gave me the confidence that I was stupid enough um, to be able to run across Africa because I don't have anything better to do. (laughs) (laughs) how, How do you go about deciding
0: where to run then? Is it partly politics? Is it the distance? Is it how do you figure out what the best route is?
1: But what, actually, before, before you ask that, what was the route? I think it'd be useful to, for the yeah. listeners to know what the, what the route was actually before, before we talk about that
2: bit. So I dramatically on the 3rd of July ran out of the Atlantic Ocean in Namibia at Henties Bay. And then I ran through Namibia up into Zambia, had a quick stop off at Victoria Falls, took the photo, thought, so, Oh yeah, it's a waterfall. Um, then through Malawi and then through, through Mozambique, through the south of Malawi through Mozambique and then successfully on the September the 8th waddled into the Indian Ocean so that was kind of the route it was in the right. south really yeah so yeah.
0: And was, was that chosen because of your connection with Malawi or because of the just a sh- shorter distance than the chunky middle bit or because uh, safe countries or?
2: Um Yeah it was, it was because of Malawi I'd been involved with Malawi since 2008 I wanted to tie in malawi again and i kind of thought that that was a perfect perfect test for me um to look at that and it just seemed perfect that that would be be the route that i did i did have someone comment on a video saying oh you're not really running coast to coast you need to run and they gave me the points from tunisia to cape town and then the middle but the 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 bit that goes across to like somalia (laughs) (laughs) so i was like um Somalia, yeah. South Sudan, yeah. the Sahara yeah. Desert. And, I, and when I, and I when I read that comment, I just ran. I think it was thirty-two miles. You know, we haven't we haven't had anything cold. Like I'm drinking water out of the truck that's hot. I hadn't washed for fourteen days, showered. It's thirty-five degree heat, and you're thinking, yeah, that comment's motivating me. Like, <laughs> I'll just I'll just
0: restart. I'll just go uh, drive up a few thousand miles.
2: Yeah. I actually said to one of the team, "Have I read this right? I said I think I'm wrong, and the... apparently I've got to go to Tunisia now. Let's let's go up there and start and run the full length."
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very easy for people to criticise you, isn't it, from the warmth of their armchair and all of that? But um, so mm. when you when you come to plotting the route, then is did you look at major roads, or is it is it obvious the route you'd take?
2: Um, yeah, we, we paralleled it sort of to one of the main roads that go across. But then through Namibia was very desert, so it was off-road and trails. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to go up through um, Zambia because then I could come into the north, well, the middle of Malawi, into mm. the capital, which was the long way. And then I could tie and go in through the, the two cities of Malawi. So that's how that happened. And the charity I'm involved with is in the south. And then it was just the automatic thing that I would go through the border into Mozambique. Um, and two guys ran with me in the long way and they said, oh, you must finish at the island of Mozambique. It's a two mile bridge over to the island and it's perfect. So I did some research and it was parallel to where the south of Malawi, where I was going through the border. So it was just the natural thing to say, right, island of Mozambique. That sounds pretty cool place to, to finish. So that's how we kind of did the route. But the route did change daily, like especially through Namibia, because I went slightly more on the D roads um mm. and off road through natural natural parks national parks um so it did vary but what's great with africa is is that you everywhere you near a road because of the mass of the people and there's no um not really any buses as such Or well, there is but very few you know there's actually so many paths on the side of each road that you're off the road most of the time anyway the only place we stayed on the road was mozambique because i was advised at the time to, to just just maybe stick to a more main road um so that was that but yeah but I'm i think at that
0: was that because of, of danger I assume? Or...
2: Well I think there was a, a few problems but right up in the north and they just said I'll just stay to, to, to sort of you know nearer the main road at that point which was quite fine actually because I think once you once I could see the end was in sight I kind of just wanted to get my head down I think going on the road like I was getting a good rhythm so yeah that was that was that.
0: And how much detail do you then you've, you've got your approximate route how much did you, do you then go into figuring out where there could be water stations, you know what the terrain could be like, um, the geopolitical situation in each area? Mm. Or was it very much winging it day to day?
2: A lot of it was winging it day to day. So um, we knew it was safe all the way through. Namibia is very safe. Malawi is very safe when I ran through it. Um, and obviously down in the south, the strip of Zambia that I ran through, through Victoria Falls, Lusaka, that's known as pretty safe as well. So, um, In terms of having a support truck, the reason why I had a support truck is so then we could stop up on water mm. and pasta and rice. So really, we did just sort of buy up for at least 10 days to 12 days. And it, it was tough because, you know, when you finish running and you in that heat and you want a drink and then I've got a face drinking water that's been in a truck that's really warm. It was pretty tough Um and having pasta and rice every day. I'm sure people that followed and seen some of the videos can see my face of <laughs> <laughs> when I am eating cold pasta with a tin of fish plonked on the top when I'm counting three, two, one, swallow and go. Then <laughs> that's, uh, that was an insight into my eating in in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> and um and so, how much did things change when you're out there? Then what
0: what type of uh,
2: problems did you encounter? So in the Nibia was really tough. Um, the first week and a half it was just desert and I remember day three was really tough we had a headwind um, it was 35 degrees I had my jacket back to front because it was like my skin was burning Um and then obviously you know early on in those challenges you think you know my head was full of a bit of doubt you know have I taken on something too much how long is this sand going to go on for it was testing me in every way but like with all of these runs and challenges you know that those are the days that you learn the most and that you'll reflect and think that's what you've learned about digging deeper and learn about yourself. So that was kind of tough. And then it was tough through um, Zambia. We I got sick. Um, two days I lost to sickness and diarrhea and then coming back into the heat, coming through the Caprivi Strip from Namibia to Zambia, we were stopped by the army and told that there was lions, um, sightings, and I shouldn't be by foot. And it was quite dramatic in the mornings because going through Nanibia you'd see all these zebra and giraffe and monkeys and all this incredible wildlife and then I'd be running on this dirt track and all you saw were these big fat paws (laughs) and you're like you're like wow I'm really engulfed here so (laughs) um yeah so it didn't cause many problems and then really that was only really the only problems I had I mean the the run itself was 98 days Mm. and every second of every day um I was greeted with absolute kindness from strangers and it blown me. I think that's what's blown me away more is the connection between two people and strangers. And we'd just rock up at a village um, and get the chief and we'd say, oh, I'm running across Africa. Can we camp? And they'd rally round and get bits of wood for us to sit on and give us rice. And um they just made us feel so welcome. And when I got home, I said to mum and dad, can you imagine just a truck full of people knocking the door? Going, oh yeah, I'm running across Britain. Can I camp on your lawn? And then you go, <laughs> oh, come on into the house. There's the tap. Just make yourself at home. <laughs> what did they make of you then? They just, they were just so like, they all just would sit around. I mean, you know, they would all stare and stuff. And there was a bit of a language barrier. Yeah. But I did have two guys, um, Manuel and and um, Gosta, who are from FOMO from the charity that malaria. So they did help with the sort of language barrier. But they just really they we would chat with them and it was just incredible experience. It was you couldn't get more honest than it was. And they everyone just thought I was crazy. But then I was on I think it was BBC Mozambique news. So by the time yeah. I got to Malawi, I mean, there's videos of me running with hundreds of people through Malawi. Because when I ran there, it was just crazy. Because the High Commissioner came out um, in 2016 when I ran through Blantyre in 2016, the mayor came out. I had the High Commissioner. So the Malawi strip was crazy anyway. And then when I got to Mozambique, then people must have seen on the news or or certain people had gone through villages or I don't know how it got out, but people started to know that it was that I what I was doing. And hmm. so and you know sometimes I'd have a hundred people running with me. It was crazy.
0: And was that something you'd coordinate with your team or would that just happen naturally?
2: That would just happen. And that's why I think my pull to Africa is what I love. So back in 2016, within the first five kilometres of the start of me running Malawi, I had 10 children running with me because they were going on their way to school. Um, (laughs) And if you think of we've got all our distractions from our phones to oh I'm busy I'm doing this there they're going to school without those distractions so if you've got a great big white person running through it's like wow what's happening um and yeah so you'd have people just running and smiling and I'd always they'd always run then into the school and I'd wave back and some some of the children would run for even further and it was just um it was just crazy yeah and um so
0: how do you you prepare your your kit and your team and your I guess the logistical side of things for this is, is that something that the charity did or did you have to
2: get the spreadsheet out yourself so we I managed to get um, some money to work together for a truck because the charity needed a new truck mm. so that was a starting point then a, a friend of mine that had so you, seen you basically
0: got them a truck and ruined it and then you gave them the ruined truck at the end is the, <laughs> gift.
2: yeah, with five unshowered people sitting on those seats at <laughs> that heat. It was stinking at the end of it. And I think there was a wheel hanging off and there was bits missing and it was absolutely trashed. Um, yeah, so yeah, we gave them back a pretty, um, crap piece of, uh, <laughs> well,
0: anyway, anyway, as you're saying, so you'd, um, you'd, you'd purchased a
2: truck. Yeah. And then I, I phoned a friend that had followed my Malawi run whose dream was always to go to Africa. Hmm. And it was kind of luck how the team fell, up, fell together, really. He I said, um, do you want to come? I need a driver. I knew that he liked driving. He'd driven across Europe. Um, and he said, yes. So that was that one. Then I, con- I did a talk in London, and um, a woman called Libby came up and said, oh, can I be a support cyclist? So oh. I'm, she was cycling across New Zealand. And I said, yeah, that's fine. So that was two. So I had a truck, had a cyclist had a driver. And then um Mary, the founder of the charity, I said, can I have Gosta? Because he's an amazing cook, and he cooked for the food for Malawi. Um, so that was another bonus. And then Manuel, who's another guy, he came. So there was us four and me. And then I said, can I have those two stinking tents that we had at, yeah. um, when I ran Malawi? Let's chuck them in the boot, and let's get to Namibia. And that's how it was. <laughs> I'm the most disorganized person ever. And I just kind of always do think that everything will work out and so it wasn't I wasn't someone that was you know a year before sat down planning yeah. everything I just chucked it together and I thought right we're on the fun bus let's go
0: and were there any things you could you <laughs> think now fundamentally you should have taken with you
2: um yeah I should have had a brain before I planned it <laughs> no, no, no it, no it no it all kind of pulled together really well actually um and I was very lucky I think to have um, It was just how I wanted. I wanted this one to be relaxed because a future one that I have, I've learned a lot about two different sets of team. And I realized that the next one that I do, because I haven't really ran properly, very competitive for several years. Mm. The next challenge I want to do, because this has given me the confidence that I'm not even near my best yet. And I want the next one to be so it would be really set up like someone documenting what I'm eating. Because, yeah, I will announce it soon, but I'm going to go for a world record. yeah.
0: Oh fantastic. Okay.
2: Ah, and will do you think it's about
0: the organization of the kit, or is it more about the people that are in the
2: team? I think it's a combination of the two. I think you've got to get it right. I think I think depending on what you want out of it, I think if you if you're going for like something quite competitive, then I think your teams are very key because they need to all have that understanding of reading it the situation. So when I ran Malawi I had a runner with me, And she was just incredible. So she knew when I needed space, she knew she could just read it. And that's because she was a runner, but mm. this team, they did, none of them were runners. So sometimes they might not have read the situation. And that's no, no one's fault. That's just the way it is. So I think getting your team right is very, very important. Um, you know, I'm very grateful the team, we had a, an amazing laugh, but, but, you know, if you're a, if I'm doing something bigger and it's going to be more testing, then I need to have some people I think that have got a more a running background because I think you understand the makeup of, of how it works mentally, physically and what it takes out of you for sure. Um, yeah,
0: I think especially because you can have people that can be physios as well or mm-hmm. that can instinctively start preparing things before you're even getting injured or before you, uh, you know, they they know when you've got to change up the nutrition, for example.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then my next one, I would definitely add in the team, I would probably have, well, I definitely would have someone physio based to be able to, you know, because I'm the worst person to stretch and all that kind of stuff, because I just haven't got the concentration, I get really bored after the second stretch. So I just need someone that's kind of like, no, you do this. And, and then obviously the massage and that and you would obviously come back stronger and quicker anyway. So yeah.
1: So, what? Explain what. What did your The typical day look like then in terms of like time that you got up when you started running, yeah, you know, with 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 the heat and everything else.
2: Mm. So, at the start, it was obviously I was really excited about starting this epic run. So, as it worked, really well in Malawi. As I would be up early to be, meet the, you know, miss the heat, which was important. Mm. So, I I would get up really in the around five o'clock, and we'd be on the road by six. At that stage, I would run between fifteen and twenty miles um and then stop for a short breakfast and then do like six miles. And that's how it worked for the first few weeks. And then as the run came across sort of Zambia and stuff, and it started to get more kind of tough with the conditions, I would mentally have a little break every six miles and try and break it up that way. Um, and then when I had lost four days of sickness, went towards Malawi, I then, because I was trying to do 94 marathons in 94 days. Um, I then had to catch up like four days that I'd lost. So then I was doing 36 mile days. So I would be splitting it in the morning, and then I would do an evening shift, an evening run, an evening shift, like I'm packing. <laughs> um, and then I'd do an evening run to miss that, you know, because I mean, for the time we got to Malawi, the last it got up to 41 degrees one day that I was running. So it was it was starting to, to be a to be a challenge. And mm. when you're on limited food and you've got or you know you worried about taking a poo on the side of the road and there's a puff adder and all these things you you know it takes its toll so i was i was having more breaks and stuff so a lot of it was just listening as well to how my body felt. because i was oh, just sorry i was just to say it, you, you
1: mentioned before that you ran the whole thing and so um you know you you obviously like you ran for six miles and then you took you stopped and then you went did you Did you consciously know when you started it that that's what you wanted to do? Or did that become something when you you started that you you realized you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, that's a really, really good question. And that's what I wanted. I made it clear the other day to someone. I think the most the biggest message that I give is that never give up. And if you have to walk or you have to slow down, it's about achieving it and never giving up. That's the number one message. And I think what happened was once I got past that third day in the desert and I'd run it. And then it just naturally happened because I had that confidence that I'd ran John O'Groats to Land's End and Malawi and I'd run it. Yeah. I kind of thought, well, the first thousand miles is, is new territory, and then once I started to get to sort of 1,200, and it was halfway, and then I started to feel stronger and and it became more like routine, like it is, like, like your body knows what it's doing. Mm. Once I got once I got past halfway, and then I went up this huge mountain in Zambia, and I was just so determined. We'd left that. So the evening shift, so I'd like about a mile and then up through this mountain, which was at least 10 kilometers. And when I got to the top of there and I just ran, I just had my head down and I just kept going. I just thinking, this is just temporary. This pain is just temporary. It's not going to be forever. Once I cracked that mountain, I thought, do you know what? To say I've actually ran this is 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 an achievement to myself as well, especially from my background and how I got into running and not being a runner until 28. So. I just wanted to personally say I ran every step and be proud of myself for doing it. But obviously, if you have to walk, you have to walk. And I was prepared to walk. I wasn't mm. I didn't I thought I was going to have moments where we would be sat on the side of the road and people would be going, oh, God, he's moaning again about what can't run. And I was I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to have moments like that. And I was prepared to walk. I wasn't I'm not embarrassed to say, oh, you walk, because I think it is you your message you want to say to people is you can do it and don't give up. But yeah, no, it did. It, it did become a challenge to myself, but I wanted to say to myself, I ran it, yeah.
0: And would you always stop then at twenty six point two, that you are never going to do more
2: in a day, other than when you were on catch up? Um, yeah, so it was. It was. I had quite a lot of catch up because I got impatient on the first day. We get, got to the coast, hmm. and I and we got the tent set up, and I was just like, I want to start, hmm. and we was like, but we've only got about an hour of light. So the first day was six miles. Um, and then the first week or so, I just eased into it. So I was doing like 19 miles, 22 miles. And then by the second, third week, I was up to the marathon then. Mm. Uh, and I was running 26, 27 miles. And then we would stop and camp at a school or camp at um, a village. Um, and then when I lost I had to lose the sick days and I had to catch up from those shorter days, it just naturally would be, oh, I'm going to do a 34 mile today. Mm. And I was, and, and I was getting into it. I was really, um, did some quite long days and then when we went to Victoria Falls I ran a 40 mile day so we could have a shorter day because then everyone could enjoy Victoria Falls which I thought was important so yeah.
0: Because it, it does leave you with actually quite a lot of time um during the afternoon during the evenings as well
2: oh. mm-hmm. what were you doing in that time? Sat in a mosquito net that was under a tree sweating um, with about usually most of Zambia, Malawi and Mozambique. With about 150 children stood around staring, at me. <laughs> and I I wanted to climb into a hole and not be looked at, knowing that I was going to have cold pasta and fish delivered to my mosquito net <laughs> tent. And so did that almost cause? Because I, I
0: I'd imagine that would motivate you more to actually try and run more miles and get it over and done with quicker. Were you having to restrain yourself in those times?
2: Um. No, because I got into a good routine. I think I didn't want to change what was working well. Um, and when, sometimes when you, oh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I felt great and the kids would keep you going. And I used to mm. get, some days I would just get it all out, all done. But I just felt because it was new territory to run, you know, another th- thousand miles to what I'd done. Mm. I just felt that this, these split days were working really well. And me in my head, I was thinking, I don't. But when I run to sort of 24 to 26 miles, I don't feel burnt out or 20 miles on certain days. And I do six in the evening. Mm. I just felt like I wasn't going into that sort of marathon zone where your, your, your muscles are starting to hurt. So it was just working well. And I just thought I don't want to break what is working extremely well right now because I did just start to feel I wasn't having any aches, any foot pain. I had some feet blister problems early on, but that was my feet hardening up. So I didn't want to change what was working. I think if mm. I started to have struggles or mental blocks or having moments where we were sat for an hour and I'm like, I can't get going, give me space, then I would have changed things. But I think it was working quite well. But some of the days I would go and play football with the kids, don't get me wrong. And, you know, in the we were people that were picked up my story. We stayed in some really nice camping sites um, and, you know, some of them had water holes and we'd see hippos. So it was it was it was incredible um but yeah, yeah and um and so
0: now that you've finished this you've mentioned you've got a a new challenge coming up do do you think this is going to be something you'll be doing for the rest of your life
2: I think with with me is is that I sort of stumbled across running I stumbled across all of this it's never been a sort of thought out thing I always do these things thinking that whatever I learn from this challenge you know, I might've run across Africa and I'd be like, right, that's it for ultra running and on these big things. I've going to go back to running 10 Ks. I don't like to make a prediction. Um, so I don't think you can, I can answer forever, but it's inspired me for the next one. It's inspired me to what excites me is, is that I want to go back to being a bit more competitive again, um, and spend next year going back down to sort of the half and the marathon. And, um, I've got a lot of unfinished business with the marathon. <laughs> um, and, um, I really feel that with me i 've never trained properly. I've never done core strength and all that kind of stuff. and when I look at my times, what I ran years ago when I started, mm. and then it, it, then what I've achieved with these three big runs, I just feel that the best is yet to come so I, I'm just excited to go out and do some races again, and then with the, with the plan is to do this this big one, just because I think if I ran all of this mm. I, may, I may as well push myself physically and mentally more. Um so yeah
0: and do you do you think it's very much worth training harder before these epic challenges to so you can t- t- to make it easier each day once you're
2: there I, I think for me i went into this one and malawi one really quite it, nothing went to plan hmm. um i went over on my ankle um running back from my school it's about 10 miles to my flat in sulfur keys um, so I lost six weeks of training. So I pulled out of four races. Um, I'm always someone that my weight goes up and down, like terribly. Like, so the last four or five years, the lowest i would probably been is 14 stone. And then I went back up to 17 stone last, last end of last year. Oh, so even then, between
0: the Lake Malaria, also running across Malaria now, you've, you've ballooned quite a bit.
2: Yeah. And I went, I, I put on three stone. That was because I went back and did my teacher training and mm. because I'm not academic. Then I, I kind of pieced together that my stress and started when I was at school, because obviously I, I struggled at school. Mm. So all of those factors are all kind of interesting. But the, the interesting thing is I went into the Africa run carrying a bit of weight, but actually I think it in some ways that was a factor that worked well mm. because it's almost like you have a reverse and I got, I went into it slightly unfit. Like you want to go into a marathon peaking because it's a short run, but you're going to get fitted with these ultra big it's stupid runs so you get fitter as you go so i think it did have a a factor but it's, what excites me is if i can get back down to the size that i was when i was running quite well what can i pull off in one of these ultras if i'm back down to 12 stone and that's a i think that's a real, a real key thing because you think
0: we've we've discussed on the podcast a few times before that there are quite a few people we know who've been overweight and when they've shed the pounds mm. they do seem to be very very good runners and so we have actually kind of discussed whether it's the fact that your heart for example is is so used to um having to train having to lift this weight and having to pump a lot more blood around your body and that so that when you then drop the weight suddenly actually you've got some really powerful muscles do do you think that's a factor
2: i think that sounds like quite because I think that does sound right because like I explained to someone someone at work said to me we don't need to lose much weight and I said well no I said if I'm going to run faster again I need to be down to the 12 12 and a half because mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't give you a rucksack and say there's 14 pounds of butter mm. let's in a rucksack and run and that's what you've got to think in your mind that every bit of and I don't want to get onto weight because I think there's enough people with like Conscious with weight and underweight and all that. Hmm. But if you want to improve as a runner, it's, it's, you know, it's the less you're carrying, the more you're going to move and the faster you're going to move. Because, like I've just said, you're not going to carry five pounds of butter in a rucksack. You'd think, fuck that, I'm going to take it off.
1: I don't know. I think there are people in our, in our group who, who would do that as a challenge. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure someone has done that or, or something are similar. There people in the
0: group who'd eat
2: 14 pounds of butter and then run an ultra. <laughs> I think I should run across Africa again with a 14 pounds of butter in a rucksack and do it backwards.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely going to escape the bag, isn't it? It's going to be pretty, uh, pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. And because do you think then if um, say someone like Mo Farah, who's probably got three percent body fat, do you think he'd actually struggle in a challenge like this because he hasn't got that that extra fuel source that he can he can use along the way?
2: I imagine that he would be fine, but he would probably, his consumption of calories would be, fu- would have to be really high, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. That's how I look at it. It's where I had a reverse of calorie, like fat, because obviously fat burns it is but so obviously someone that's a, a lot more carrying less weight like him, I imagine that they've got to be consuming so many more calories.
0: Yeah. Cause, cause you mentioned you'd stop at 20 and then it, after, after a while, it would be, you stop at six and, eat pasta and things were you also eating as you ran then or was it just these these stops to refuel that you
2: were yeah it was just stops to refuel i did have some gels and some jelly sweets that we managed to get when we got to to things but i kind of i found that if i stopped and actually ate food because what's really weird with me is i can actually Mm. eat quite a lot and get running within quite a short period apart from when i was sick after eating a donut in front of kids in (laughs) anivia um, which wasn't the best, but um, that was my own fault because um, I was stuffed this donut down and then it all came back up very quickly. Um, but yeah, so I, for me, it worked again. is having those stops and actually eating something more substantial rather than just little things. So I, that kind of worked. Same way as when I ran John O'Groats to Land's End. Mm. I would stop. stop, I would stay away from any kind of t- gels or stuff and actually have a pizza and chips. And that's what I found worked for me. But obviously everyone's different
0: yeah i mean 20 miles is a very long time to not have any fuel if you're going to be running again quite soon i mean you can you can do it on sunday run Mm. it's not that bad but actually you really need to you're you're getting to the edge of where you're getting all of the um glycogen from your muscles and and burning it completely so that that's that could have potentially been really really risky to do that and, and then go out again so soon
2: yeah, no. I well, I would eat loads in the evening and in the morning, and then I would always have a breakfast stop. I think at the beginning, when I was running really 20 miles, I mean, I look back, I think that was just pure adrenaline. Because mm. there was one day that I ran 32, with, and that was the day I had gels and, and jelly sweets and bits like that. But I was just because I just got carried away with it. Mm. But obviously, that's really stupid. And I, you know, that was just me getting a bit giddy. But yeah.
0: But then, I, I, you know, I think to a certain extent, when the sun's shining, it, it does make sense to get some miles in and to, if you're feeling great, as long as you're not going to absolutely bury yourself, um, it, it, does, it does make sense, I think, to get miles in because there are going to be times when you're not feeling great. And if you've got a bit of a buffer, that's, that's surely mm-hmm. really positive to, to have that. Yeah, ride, definitely. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, along the way then, were there, were there any incidents that were notable, would you say?
2: Mm, and notable and repeatable
0: for positive (laughs) or negative reasons
2: um it was always hard to go to the toilet for most of the time because you had to go in the bush Mm. and it's pretty difficult when you've got loads of kids everywhere (laughs) (laughs) um so that's pretty that's pretty tough um me being sick after eating a donut, and then I did a video about nutrition about don't eat, <laughs> eat, don't run too soon after you've eaten. Um, that was probably another hot, like, kind of funny one. <laughs> um, mm, that's it, kind of. I think, yeah.
0: Okay, now, um, you, you mentioned that you you have ballooned in weight over there in the you know, last few years, and we set the top the show talked a little bit about the fact that you used to be quite a big party animal mm-hmm. and you used to go full throttle at life at what point did do you has, has that always been the case or has have you used running to kind of transition out of that or is that something that you you still do both of
2: no so when I left school my sister was um quite a, quite academic and she went to a, a private school and she was really advanced and and then I went through school and didn't really kind of have a focus I really struggled at, at secondary school and my relationship with food started and I think by 16 or 17 my mum and me laugh about it now but I was like in a 40 to 42 inch waist um, then I did an HND at college and then went to uni and then when I got to Manchester from the age of 18 I didn't really have a focus I didn't really have anything mm. um, and I got and I got sort of soaked straight up into the club scene and it was crazy I mean I would go out most evenings um I taught my way on to a degree because I actually came to do an HND. I didn't have the qualifications to do a degree. And I taught my way onto to a, a fashion styling degree. Um And then it took me six years to get that degree, which would have taken three. Whoa. Um, because I was just, I lived for the weekend. I literally partied. I drank heavily. I took drugs. I mean, I was, I've never been depressed or I'm always upbeat. I'm always crazy. Yeah. But it was just, I was just, I loved, I mean, I love dance and I love music. I listen to music all the time, running everywhere I walk. Um, I just have to listen to music. And I think that's linked to later in life when I was diagnosed with dyslexia at 36 mm. and my attention. And I think, so basically fast forward to 2006. So for mm. 10 years, my life was like a cycle of self-destructive behavior. And then there was a group of people that we were out with and two of them were running the Wilmslow Half Marathon in Manchester. And um we all shook on it and I thought, well, pff, shit, what do I do? So I used to get up in the dark, um, and run, well, not run, walk, model, whatever you want to call it. Cause I was really paranoid because for years my weight had been going up and down. At this point, I was mm. slightly thinner than when I was really young. Um, cause I kind of was conscious of losing weight. So I was never like, I wasn't huge, huge when I started running, but was still would be classed as overweight. Um, and I used to get up in the morning and I used to go lamppost. It's a lamppost. And I absolutely hated it. I hated every second of it. Mm. And then after about two or three weeks, something happened. I started to see the structure and the discipline. And I used to get to work, so obviously getting up in the morning and doing it, you haven't got that, oh, I've got to do it later. And then I, I stopped going out. And I remember people used to phone me on a Friday night, and they'd have all the dance tunes down the phone. <laughs> to come out, come out. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do a longer run on, on the Saturdays. And then um, that kind of structure and discipline that running gave me kind of went on to my everyday life. I started to look at the debts, my spending habits, eating habits. I got healthier. And um, and then it was the first thing that I actually went out and thought, this is something I enjoy. This is mine. I'm working really hard. Mm. And then three months later, I lost about three stone going into it. Um I ran the, uh, the Wilmerslow Half Marathon. And I remember that night getting a phone call and someone said Brennan you went flying past us at the end when the hell did you get into running <laughs> all, all my friends that have known the full journey yeah. just just think what I'm doing now they just it's just they just think it's crazy because I was always this like this larger than life you know raver almost yeah uh, and then so they said well so I looked on my time and I thought oh my god that's a good time I did my first half in one hour 24. What? And, yeah. Whoa.
0: That's insane.
2: Yeah. yeah. You can you can sound online line. Cause I think when people say that, you just think, oh, that's not believable. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not denying it. I wasn't expecting I'll still check, like we'll still check afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I remember crossing the line and I just thought, oh my God, I've done it. And it gave me like a real confidence. I thought, it's something that I've worked for, yeah. something that I'm good at. And how and, heavy uh, were you at that point so I, I that's the thing I never really um weighed myself, but I remember mm. around that time I was around thirteen zone two, yeah, and then I know I know I went down to 12, 12 zone five. So I remember when I was running um the following year, which was two thousand and seven, I was just kind of like keeping a a, a, a kind of log on my weight because I was obviously mm. trying to go faster, mm. so then a, a month after running. My will was oh half. I ran my first 10k, which was, um, and I didn't have a running watch at this time. I didn't have a clue. I was just like, put the music on and run. Yeah. Um, and I remember my mum watching, and I was like coming down into the Manchester to the end bit on Dean's Gate, and I thought, this is absolutely so painful. What am I doing? And I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm sprinting, and I did that my first 10 kilometers in 38 minutes. Oh,
0: 30, amazing.
2: 38.05. Yeah. Um, and then. I was always going to go back to all the party and I was like, oh, I just, it's like a tick list. I do this half marathon. Um, And then I, that was it. Then I was hooked and I've not drank ever since. I've not partied ever since. Um, So the last, so the last 10 years has been um, running, adventure, traveling the world, um, charity stuff. So 2007, I went on and um, got my. Before before we go on, actually, I I was, I was
0: wanting to ask you because you mentioned, the first two weeks were mm. really hard and really tough yeah. and um we actually we had a podcast a, a few weeks ago where we we did talk to someone who who is um she calls herself uh the fat runner and um, mm. but she ne- she didn't really go into that much detail she, or wasn't that open and honest about the the, the difficulty with starting running I, I mean what kept you going in those first two
2: weeks i think it was just pure determination i think i I think even though I, I think, so I ran across Africa and it shows that I must have this level of determination. And I mm. think it was always there, like when I taught my way on to a degree. I was like, I'm going to do a six week project. I won't let you down, even though I was a bit didn't. And I think it was with this thing I'd committed to it. Mm. And I think that's that kind of dyslexia and stuff that you then start to learn about later in life. I think you can't deal with sometimes the day to day things that are in front of you. But boy, can I hyper focus on something else? So and something I think you can I control. Almost. Yeah. And I just basically thought, what's three months of my life to give it everything? And I will give it my everything. Um, and I just kept thinking, you know, people do do this. People do run. Um, and I, I it kind of got into a good routine. I would put my running kit out on the, on, you know, on the floor. Hmm. So I'd be up, coffee and straight out the door. So you couldn't talk your mind out of it. Um, and I suppose I kind of got addicted quite, quite quickly, really. Uh, but those two, those first two weeks were tough because you do think, Oh, I can't be bothered. I can't do that. But I just kept thinking because I started small. I just went round. It's really small. It was not even quarter of a mile. Mm. And I just thought, just go lamppost to lamppost. And that's how I did it. I used to walk, run, walk, run. And then obviously over a period of time built it up. Yeah.
0: And do you, you mentioned obviously you're, you're concerned with, you know, what people would say if they saw you. And do, do you think that that was a, a, a genuine concern or do you think it was just you know, your perception?
2: I think it was just that I just thought that because I wasn't sporty and, mm. you know, I, I did, I, you know, I did enjoy watching the Olympics and things like that. You know, we're we're so conditioned, aren't we, into a a, th- a certain way. I I see it now, certainly as I put a little bit of weight back on and I compared to how thin I was when I was running faster times. Mm. People are very judgmental. So after I would put on a little bit of weight after my eyes, like, oh, you're a bit bigger than I would expect for a runner. And I think that's because we're a product of our environment. So people are very mm. quick to make a judgment. So I just always in my mind would think, oh, someone in the gym or someone slender, that's what that's what a runner should look like. Or that's how someone should look like. So I think that's why I was conscious about doing it in the dark. And I didn't know anything about technique or did I look stupid? Um And I suppose that goes back to confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you know, I was very con- self-conscious because I'd always carried weight. Um And I think you're just conscious of. You're putting yourself out there. You're feeling, you know, you haven't got your, when I'm out clubbing and you're dancing and you don't have to be on drugs or drink, you, you're in your comfort zone because you're being, you're, you're making people laugh. Where when I'm going back to doing something like sports, so at school, I was the last one picked for football. I was the yeah. last pick for rugby. So I really felt quite vulnerable. Like you, you're out there and you're thinking there's cars driving past or someone's walking past or, and you do. You, I felt like, so that's why I would do it in the dark. But obviously now. I'm like, hey, everyone, I've just run across Africa. I'll run across that.
0: (laughs) I guess actually in a a way, the the night was probably more your time anyway, because that's when you you did all your exercise previously with your clubbing.
2: Well, I'd be coming back home then. Well, actually, no, I'd be coming back in the light. So, no, I missed the dark. That was inside dancing. (laughs) Because did you get a sense, um, looking back now,
0: that Mm -hmm. you did actually have a, a natural capacity for stamina? You know, would you be there dancing at five in the morning and everyone else was tiring or?
2: Yeah I think there's um there's it, it's quite fascinating because I don't drive so I walk mm. everywhere and I do think that I think there's a combination that I remember dancing on some nights when I didn't I just say have a Red Bull because I didn't always get when I got you know later on like 2004 5 I was in a management job so I wasn't I was being a bit more not so off the rails as I was mm. there was weekends obviously in times I was but I remember certain times where I'd be dancing at eight in the morning and I used to think I could just feel like I could go on and on and on and on. Mm. So I definitely, definitely no question look back, especially when I'm on these runs and I've got hours to think about. I do look back and think, but I used to just better go back out and dance all, all Friday night all Saturday <laughs> night and be out till Monday morning. So yeah, definitely.
0: And you said to me that you lost three stone in three months, which is a huge amount. Um, was, was that, just because of the fitness was it because you changed your diet or was it not having um, I think booze
2: I think it's all those factors I think you've gone from I went right down to eating salads I stopped drinking I think it was a, I just got into a really really good routine hmm. in bed early up early and I was just I mean I think it's you know at that time you didn't think it you thought yeah it was three stone. but then I suppose if you think pulling off these big adventure runs that I do now it shows that when I really get into that mode Mm. you know I cut out chocolate sweets you really can and and obviously it's all about calorie deficit but I I, I really did just shed it probably too quick really it's probably not great to lose it that quickly but um, I mean I was training in by the I was some days I was going out twice a day even Mm. so you know I was really was so focused on it
0: so it sounds like you were you're finding fairly addictive really
2: yeah, I think I think I kind of did find it quite addictive. Um yeah, I did. Yeah.
0: And so now you um I mean that that <laughs> you got into running with some ridiculous fast times and you mm. said you've you've not drunk or, or partied again. Mm. Is that because you've you've lost your love for that or is it because you you don't see it as being compatible with your new life?
2: I think um I think like everything just happened without me planning it. So then when I went to um i'd been racing for two years 2007 Hmm. um, and i really started to see the benefits of not drinking at all i felt focused i felt awake i felt alive i you know discovered all these amazing places to run in manchester and i think what happened was i went to malawi in africa in 2008 um on a cycle Hmm. and and it was again like a tick list i thought i'd do a charity thing and it was i fell on that because a friend of mine that i knew back in the day said to me Brennan you're looking really healthy you're looking really really good and blah blah blah. and he said oh, I think you'd be interested in a team cycling across Malawi in Africa and I so I went over and I was there for three weeks um and you know we'd be cycling along and all these kids would be coming along and they've got no shoes or socks and just you know poverty and the stories we heard and then when I got back to Manchester and I even though I loved all those weekends all that money I'd spent I was just like it's just the same every weekend Mm. where a life of adventure and spending money on seeing the world is going to make me grow and challenge myself. So I think that was probably why I stopped drinking and partying, because I then went on and did bigger challenges like Cycle John O'Groats to Land's End in 2011. And then I I was saving because I actually traveled around the world for several years from 2012 to 2015. Mm. So that's kind of partly why. I don't drink and party now because I'd rather spend my money on going off and doing something like, like that. So, yeah.
1: God, I wish I, I wish I had noble reasons like that. It was because <laughs> my reason was I just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mornings are
0: too painful.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know. I should have caught up with something better than but, that. Damn it. <laughs> but I do, but I do, I do miss that. I do miss that kind of, I do love partying, but and I, but I haven't done it for a while for ages really and I do I do miss part of it but I get so much from running and so much from what I'm doing and my job and stuff so I I just don't feel like it's you know when I when I when I hit a weekend maybe and I say right let's party I know when that that time is but I think I I listen to a lot of dance music running and I feel like in some ways that I'm getting both hits from it's like I'm dancing and running in the same place and a lot of the tunes I play from the 90s that I was going out to, so I reminisce of those memories, and I think I'm not having that feeling rough all day, and I'm listening to the music that I love and doing something that I love, so it's a good little combination in my little pea brain head.
0: So, so us with the big tunes. Then are we talking Sweet Like Chocolate? Are we talking a little bit of the Awful Dodger? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just like 90s mixes. I got the DJ that used to play in the in the club. He sent me some links. It's all like kind of uh, kind of mixes. I like, um, some prodigy. I like, um, groove jet. That's a big one at the moment. I like, um, yeah. Where did a... you go?
1: Did you go to Manchester, do you say? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Manchester as well. Yes, Where did that, you go out?
0: Was Hacienda still there then?
1: The Hacienda, yes. it
2: clo- when did that Hacienda close?
1: Oh, that was, I think that was, well, I, I was, I was in Manchester in 97 to 2000. So, um, so you... it closed, closed just before that. I went to Venus on Deansgate on a Friday. I used to go to Tangled. You remember Tangled?
2: Tangled, that's a proper rave night.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> that was great. That, that really is Tangled. <laughs> <laughs> and Sankeys, Sankeys as well. That was great.
2: Sankeys in the Northern Quarter, that was fantastic. But Tangled, that's like going into the hardcore se- section. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that was it. That was that was the regular thing. And, and then. then uh,
2: Oh, was it called? Was it Music Box
1: as well? There was stuff music, on there.
2: Music Box was cool. That was on D, um, on Oxford Road. And then I yeah. used to go a really hard night down, um, on Oxford Road. It was near, I can't remember what it's called now, but that was like really twisted techno. That was
0: pretty I can't dope. imagine you as a raver, JD. Could you
2: not?
0: No. You not? not? At
1: all. Really? I was, I was really into it when I was at university. Really into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know was great um i went out i was like out all the time like at university my my law degree i i think i bagged a 2-1 by the end of the second year or something so, <laughs> and so they said oh you could go and get a first or oh, you could and i'm like okay yeah, forget about that i'll
0: uh, i'll
1: just have a really good third year but um was there but yeah chance
0: you you two were raving together then did you get entangled i reckon we might have tangled together possibly possibly we may have so, were you listening to music then in Africa a lot? Was that yeah activation? Kind
2: of I, I always listen to music, even if I go to the corner shop or anywhere. I've always got my iPod on. Um, yeah.
0: And you are still stuck in the 90s?
2: No, I've got some more different stuff now. I've got um, I've been listening to First Aid Kit quite a lot at the minute.
0: Oh, yeah. wasn't expecting that. Yeah. The thing is, you can't
1: listen to dance music. Dance music now, everything's a derivation of something that came out in the 90s or early early, early 2000s. So it's not as if there's any anything new in terms of dance.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess drill's drill's slightly different, but not substantially. Um I just I just said drill 'cause I wanted to appear cool. I don't, I don't know, know what actually. that means. What yeah, that exactly. Mean? That's why I said it, because I knew you would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't question me. You're don't Ian me. Hislop on this uh in this format. Um I'm the cool cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ian Hislop. Sorry, sorry, Brendan. We've I'm gone sorry. off on a bit of a tangent. Um <laughs> and um and so do you because that's something that i think they should do more of in sport they've done color runs i don't think they've done proper techno runs it'd be hard to do but i that's like a silent disco race with proper djs all the way through i think that'd be incredible forget the silent bit why don't they just
1: do a proper one like if you could like run around a warehouse or something that'd be amazing (laughs) (laughs) so we just
0: go to a rave and run around it
2: I reckon that would be really cool. Oh, we could have it like you run through a warehouse with it and then to like a forest with it all rigged up with a DJ bit. And then you can have different pods, different styles. So they get some real twisted bits and the house bits chucked in there. Really send our heads west. When
1: I when I used to get up, when I was like uh, like getting up really early to um, uh, like go on training runs, uh, like on ultra stuff, I used to get up at like like five in the morning and run out into into the South Downs. And there would be it would be like that. There would be it'll be like the remnants of a rave winding down <laughs> or or getting started or whatever. It's very difficult to tell. But you'd mm. run into the woods and all of a sudden like this music would be uh, and you'd have all these like canes sort of standing around dancing. You'd be running through them. It'd be weird. And their eyes were like saucers. Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we might have met before as well then, Jodie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Mount. Um, so um, so when when can we expect this big announcement? Mm,
2: in January, at the running show.
0: Oh, fantastic. I oh, see so you're, you're teasing up to it.
2: Yeah, it's it's three times as big as this one
0: absolutely well we're going to be there as well it's three times as big so you're going to run across taking Africa the, you're taking
2: the tunisia times. thing tr- uh, you, you listened to his advice
1: didn't you the troll oh the troll yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the keyboard warrior is that the word they people, yeah. people call them you're challenging them you're going yeah. to we're going to go together at the same time <laughs> yeah
2: well yeah all going well I, I i will um i'll announce it in january and all going well i'll lead up to it, but i want to go back next year and 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 i want to run the marathon And try and get a bit, get back to some some faster times again. What kind of time are you thinking? Um, well, in 2009 was the last competitive race I've done because obviously I traveled and then I've done these big things. Um, and really I blew, I blew London really. I was, I was really stupid. But again, when I look back, it's, it's lack of experience. Mm. Um, Not lack of experience, a bad choice on one run leading into it. Um, but I'd like to go back and do two, I'd like to go, I think I'm, looking at my times i think i could do 255 254 i th- i mean if you've done a a 124 as your first half
0: you're yeah. going you've got the capability to absolutely smash 2.54.
2: well well i've got um my trimple race which was the race the lancaster one trimple 20 mm. uh, was 2 hours 11 mm. and then okay. my and then my half now is 122
0: but also you'll find you you will be so dramatically different as a runner mm. and um the I mean, when i did comrades in the summer there was a I can't remember the, the girl's name a, a british runner who reads me fast um on paper but she'd just done back to back to back she'd run from johannesburg to oh. get to the start and she was so much faster than anyone would have ever predicted just insane and i think you'll find the same actually your body will just have a different expectation and um and your stamina you will just be so good as long as you're you know training for it Mm. so um i i'd say actually start training now get some really quick 10ks in and then set your ambitions after that because i think you might surprise yourself
2: yeah no no definitely i think um that's what I think I'm excited about is getting back out and getting, um, some quicker times again. And obviously I've not ran those sort of pet times for a, a long while, but I think that I've just not got to think of it short term, forget about mm. those times. But I know that through all this longer stuff that it, the endurance base, once it clicks back in, mm. um, I think I'll be, I'll be in good, be good nick, but I think mentally, I think I do my strength is that ability because I think it is mental to get up day in day out that's where I really do just go into and I mean I was sat at work this week and I said that person that ran across Africa I do sit there and I do think who was that person because Mm. of the conditions that I ran in so yeah so there's lots to look forward to
0: Although you'll probably find that London will be the, the, the coldest, snowiest London Marathon there's been in <laughs> years. As soon as you signed up, people are like, why?
2: why? Yeah. I'll be like, no, I'll be going around in like three layers because it's so cold. Yeah. And um, and you, with, with this world record attempt, mm-hmm.
0: what dramatically are you doing different in the prep, like logistics wise, and also in the training that you, you wouldn't have done? Mm for the run across africa
2: so what what excites me now is obviously i'm i feel i'm a bit more wiser with running i've done Mm. three of these big challenges now Um, and then i look at my times when i was running six minutes six and a half minute miles Mm. and i remember i remember when i used to run those times i remember running nine minute miles or eight minute miles in training on some of the longer runs and I, I never even felt it like mm. you would just, it's, so what excites me with all of it is, is I've one never ran with a running club. I've never ran, I've never done core work. I've never done strengthening. Um, so all of those factors, you know, I'm, what can I pull off if I work on my technique? I run with guys that are quicker. I run, I do some strengthening, core strengthening and get my weight right back down to 12 stone. Um, they're, they're all factors i think getting a team together working maybe with a coach hmm. a physio um with the idea that they would come to africa um and i because of my experience of running malawi in africa i know what works well um i know that i probably would do six days on one day off okay uh, things like that I'm, and yeah. i've I've got quite a lot of i've been speaking to someone that's um an experienced ultra runner. and he said that i because sometimes i lack confidence because i just mess around all the time i yeah. don't but actually, if I'm going to take this world record for the first time ever, I am going to take this serious because I really want to do it. Um, so I actually do have more knowledge than actually what I did give myself credit to. Yeah. So what every, everything I was saying to him was he was just like, you, you know what you've got to do. You've just now got to go, you know, get, you know, get on with it kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I imagine you'll find actually the the confidence and the experience of having done it before will, will actually count for so much more than, uh, you know, just the training or, uh, you know, just for speed. Cause most people who go into these challenges, you know, haven't tried them before or tried mm. anything close. And so when you're 30 days in feeling absolutely ruined and you know, that's just like when I had it at this time and this mm-hmm. happened, it's fine. I think that will stand you in really good stead. And are you going to change your, your nutrition then? Do you think your strategy? Because obviously you're going to be, you're going to be burning through your calories a lot faster,
2: um, and potentially for a lot longer. Yeah, no, I would, um, I, it's really important with this one that I have, um, the team, I have someone in there that's going to be the, like, documenting all my calories and I need to look at logistically where key supermarkets and shops are and really mix up what I'm getting because I really did struggle with this one, like having pasta and rice and it was really, I didn't really enjoy any meal really because it was just because of the heat. Um, so there's, uh, there's a lot to learn with that one as well. So yeah, I would definitely, it would be run very much like you would a race, mm. taking it seriously. Obviously, I still want to have fun and I will have fun, but it will really be what I want it like clockwork. So it really would be physio, someone looking at the food, documenting my calories, um, you know, clocking all my mileage when I've eaten, trying to mix up the meals, getting in some different drinks in there, maybe taking over a load of um, at um different points. We could get like, you know, some energy stuff. Mm. I don't know, some sort of bars that I could have snacking on that's a bit different that kind of stuff yeah
0: do you think a generator with a fridge
2: yeah a truck with a fridge a truck with a fridge yeah so I could walk into the fridge well, you know, a lot <laughs> of people ch- <laughs> and choose what I want
0: <laughs> a lot of people do take RVs on on these attempts um yeah it obviously does it's so, it's it's like a lot.
1: some people use
0: RVs for the whole thing <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> oh they get in them yeah. rather than
0: running <laughs> indeed indeed the rough young way but um well, I mean, we're going we're gonna to be at the running show as well in January, yep. and as will so many do badders. so we'll be there to listen to your speech, to give you some support. But um, if there's anything we can do to help with your attempt, do let us know. Thank I you, I will. I don't think we've got a huge number of listeners in Africa. We probably do in South Africa and possibly Morocco, but I can't imagine a huge amount in between. But um, do bads, if you are in Africa, we're assuming it's Africa. <laughs> but if you're if you are in Africa. If you are at some <laughs> undisclosed location around
1: the world. yeah there's doobatters in every country almost yeah maybe not somalia but i like i I like
0: i like like the way you think it's africa Mm -hmm. well i just go back to your roots i think home turf isn't it but uh well we'll we'll find out and uh and we will put a request out to the doobatters to say who are in these countries that can come and support and, uh, and look at you get, try and go to the toilet. Cause it seems like that's something. <laughs> that seems to be the, the way to, to annoy you the most.
2: Yeah. Actually, actually, that's what I might get. That's what's going to come on my next challenge. A portaloo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or just a big cloak. Something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, instead of me running with one of those running trolleys, I'm going to be wheeling along a, a portaloo in a wheelbarrow. <laughs>
0: Well, that's something to look forward to. So um if people want to follow you and to yep. uh, kind of get in touch, what's the best
2: way for them to do that? So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at helpfomo35. And then you can look at my website, brendanrendle.com, and have a look at what I've done. Probably not that interesting to many, but yeah, you can have a nose it will be to the listeners because you know they they love challenges like this
0: so um well congratulations on doing something epic for great causes thank and, you uh, we'll see you at the the national running show yeah thank ready. you very much
2: thanks for having me on see you later our pleasure bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye bye. Ooh.
0: really interesting that was
1: really interesting.
0: Because mm. um, it's obviously done incredible stuff. And it's incredibly naturally talented as well. But you, you kind of think... Incredibly
1: what? naturally talented when he said his first half marathon.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Whoa.
0: Yeah. Um, really, really cool. I mean, I think John Album was only a minute quicker, quicker than that. And that was him having done roller hockey and you know being a sportsman at a reasonable level for a while and then did a half um although it does sound like he's the type of guy who would train incredibly hard and then just give his whole life over to whatever project he's doing yeah but you i I think you i guess uh it sounds like it's going to be almost a constant battle in his life to try and find a balance or try not to not not to go back to to being that that overweight former self
1: yeah I think well I, I don't know everyone feels differently don't they but there's always mm. there's always that thing within you I feel like I'm constantly battling um mm. my um my weight all the time mm. there's not you know if I if I leave it um and I don't have something to focus on then it will just drift, drift back. And so you know, and I can have, it, it, you know, a lot of it depends on, uh, you know how busy you are and stuff, and uh, the excuses mm. you can make around it as well. Um, but it can, yeah, if you if you don't have that focus, and you know when you've got a, when you're focused on something, and you know, mm. you know, if you, if it's really clear, it's really uh, important to you, and there's a very um, clearly defined route to make sure that you get to it that allows you to emotionally exclude uh the right kind of things and uh well, no, mostly exclude the wrong kind mm. of things and make sure mm. that you do the right kind of thing it's v- you can, it's very easy to get into that sort of into that groove and, and, and to do it well but then as soon as you lose all of those um those hooks that that drive you towards that it's it's not like just putting on weight as your natural state or something mm. But it's just so easy to well, fall back into that.
0: But it might actually be that the I've I've read in lots of places that your body almost has um, from I can't remember which chemical it is that it gives out, but your body has a natural state um, based on some of the the hormones or the chemicals that I should read should have read up on this more specifically. But the if you're someone who has changed their body weight dramatically. It takes a very long time for your body to actually change the production of these other elements. And so while you may have been thin for a year or two, it doesn't mean that you're not still producing these other things that might um, increase hunger still the whole time. And so someone like myself... Oh, you're talking about ghrelin. It could be ghrelin. Ghrelin ghrelin
1: is the hunger hormone.
0: It it could be ghrelin, but there's, there's something along those lines where, say, if I stopped running and um just started eating and, and drinking i probably wouldn't put on much weight because the production of whatever it is, ghrelin or it would drop off my hunger would drop off and actually my body has a natural state that it's it's got its whole chemical balance in and likewise people who are larger who lose weight they have this have a similar issue and so until you've gone through like seven years 10 years of being a similar weight um you, you've got a. that's the only t- the way that you can actually unpick that balance and so for him you know he's, he's he almost constantly needs to be having that motivation it's, it's and that's great that he's come back wanting to be faster because it must be so hard to actually motivate yourself to do any running when you're not running for a school in africa
1: yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, like, it's <laughs> you just when you've done when you've done a challenge like that, the level of motivation that mm-hmm. you need to do something beyond that um, becomes what The thing is, he is he absolutely hits the nail on the head of the beauty of uh, of multi day races. A really good long mm-hmm. multi day race, it does exactly that. You can go into that unfit, slightly overweight, and come out of it being healthier, stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. yeah. it it trains you your body is that good that you can start not not being that great and actually um, improve as it goes on that's the beauty of it that very few very few things very few types of events that you can do that you Mm. you can actually get away with that
0: and it's interesting that he he did change his distance as he said when he needed to because he had four days off but that he always really did the 20 miles, the six miles, always aimed at the 26. Because I still think that, given how talented he is and how naturally quick he is, that's not many hours in a day. And if you are sat around not enjoying the heat and mosquitoes with children feeling awkward, I'd have thought you would just crack on with getting a few more miles in, or do the double days where... You don't do the six miles at night. You do twelve miles because actually, that's not a huge amount extra um, if you're breaking it into two. But what
1: is there to do? What is But if you crack it out, what is there to do for the rest of the day? Well, I think that I yeah. I think the things around that make that more difficult. Doing twenty six miles a day to me doesn't sound too bad. I know mm. that sounds I know that sounds ridiculous in the in this context. And everything but mm. to me the, that distance doesn't sound too bad at all. Um, yeah. All the conditions around it are probably the issue. It's just the amount of time, the, the fact that you can't go somewhere where you have air conditioning, you mm. can't have like a nice shower. You can't, you know, I mean, you can change your clothes or whatever, but the, it's all the, it's, it's the environment around it that makes that really challenging. And that's the thing that after all, and you know, not being able to eat a, a warm meal. And that's the thing that must really pull on you to quit in those things rather than the distance itself and that, mm. that's the thing, you know. When I think when a lot of people do like multi-day and multi-stage events, that hits them. They don't realise that that part of it is much, much harder than they than they ever imagined. Because most people they'll do a big race and you just go home, and that's it. But actually, staying out there, you know, next to next to the road that you run on, uh, and having to you know sit around for. 12 hours 13 hours 14 hours before you know you run again or like you know sleep again in that heat with the all that noise around you with people milling about you know without getting any peace and quiet it just that that must be the worst aspect of it the stuff that makes you really miss being home
0: but that might be that might be why it would be slightly easier to run more miles because you then have less time to think less time to dwell and you're coming in you're getting your sleep you i going to, i'm surprised you didn't have more options of food or more rewards cuz that surely should be possible to actually sort out um depends on how much space he's obviously got in the van but i think i'd much rather go for 35 miles a day um, 40 miles a day than sit around frustrated and sit around not enjoying myself because then at least when you're running your mind just wanders into other things and it it goes into other areas you're not sat there getting frustrated or or having dark thoughts really
1: I love I, the thing is I love I, well I hate this actually um, the fact that someone uh, trolled him about that it's not <laughs> it's not the right coast to coast I mean, because the thing is, if you're doing it and you've done that and you've been really proud of your achievement and then someone says yeah. something like that, that will play on your mind. That, oh, will, yeah. that is the kind of thing that will undo you over two or three days. Uh, yeah. Just can you imagine? Oh.
0: Yeah. And, and and especially because he's probably thought at some point, does this count as coast to coast? And. I don't even know for the you know, case to case across the UK is, is there a there's a few races that case to case. Is it the, the shortest distance? Is it, I mean, to me, it, it tends to be the shortest distance is the case to case that, that people do, but it's such a different route in Africa. And I, I, I don't know. It'd be, it certainly wouldn't be possible. It's different, it? Cause, it.
1: Cause Africa, there's a, there's a, there's a clear like North to South thing, isn't there? Like, mm. you know, you go from, uh, what was it Cairo to Cape Town or something? Isn't mm. it? It's like it's like that. It's really it's a clear like well known uh, thing. <laughs> but yeah, coast to coast different. I mean, there's no there's nothing set. Um, mm. And you know, imagine trying to like navigate through some of those countries. I mean, that's mm. just insane.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And but then again, your you know your challenge is what you make of it. And I think it's so important to if you're raising money for Malawi to run through Malawi, make a huge difference with the amount raised with the profile and some beautiful countries is running through i choose i choose mm. to run through those countries i think that's that they're, they're great ones
1: wouldn't you i mean like, yeah stuff democratic Republic of congo or something like that
0: yeah i mean if if i was really being honest i'd probably just run south africa and just do coast to coast in south africa because so then that's probably possible and then
1: not bother with the running just drive it <laughs> yeah yeah we we'll just go like the just go just go on the garden route
0: there we go (laughs) exactly that's practically the case isn't it yeah have a lovely time (laughs) but it'd be great to see uh or to hear at the running show what his views are and and how things have changed because he'd have had a bit more time to reflect and process everything and so his story might be a little bit different and that would be interesting as well
1: I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it has, he has been back. Um, it's funny that he says, I've only, I've only just come back and mm. it, and it was a month ago. So obviously mm. this, it's still really big in his mind. Mm. Um, and know yeah, that's, that's, that's quite, that's quite impressive. Um, especially when, how was it? 90, 95 days, do you say? Mm. So yeah, 90. just, a, yeah, 90 days. So it's like three months. Um, that's a long chunk. To be away. Uh, from somewhere and then, you know, come back to come back to the UK. It just must feel so different.
0: Hmm. It does make me partly think, you know, if, if caffeine bullet goes tits up, I might be tempted to try something myself.
1: If caffeine bullet goes tits I thought if Caffeine Bullet and was left with all this caffeine bullet, I could send it all to Africa. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's probably no better time when I haven't got a job. And um, <laughs> Wow, this is... <laughs> Got nothing tight, because I think that's the biggest issue, isn't it, is to financially and logistically be able to organise, and yeah, we're going to have a family soon enough, but I could see myself attempting a, a world record of some sort, um, I think it'd be quite good fun for a, you know, a three-month stint.
1: Yeah, well, that's very interesting. What well, I'm interested in the fact that we seem to have went to university at the same time, went all, all the same places.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? I have a little reminisce there of uh, the Man- you know Manchester days.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you are such a clever. I had no idea. Oh yeah, yeah. I I,
1: I don't know. I think there is something about something about uh, that scene. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that there is a lot of people that become ultra runners after that. I don't know. I just don't yeah. know. I do. There seems to be a, like a connection there
0: somehow. Um, yeah.
1: Maybe can't face trap biscuit
0: was one we never know
1: <laughs> we'll never know maybe we should ask him
0: I mean, but we i mean we grew up in the the decade of gloving really um the proper decade North- proper decade pro- yeah absolutely well uh so we i guess we'll call it a day there because that's been amazing to hear uh, but do badders if you liked this episode and you want to hear more that are similar uh, what of a huge... I mean, Anna, Anna, Anna McDuff, fantastic. Um, she ran around the coast of New Zealand. She's done numerous challenges. Hers was a really interesting tool, And she's quite honest, actually, about the highs and lows of undertaking something like that.
1: Well, um, we've got impact marathons as well with um, with Nick mm-hmm. Herschel, um which is another great one to listen to. Again, talk about Malawi um, as one of the races um, and some of the other races uh, around the world, which just great great uh great great causes and doing similar sort of things in terms of helping the communities
0: yeah sean conway he has done he's done john's end Land great, land's end john of greats running cycling swimming cycling across europe i can't remember the other challenges he's done huge number of them um climbed, so climbed kilimanjaro in a penguin outfit wasn't that wasn't that one of them something like that <laughs> yeah yeah we've we've done a double episode with him because he had so much to talk about um and if you just wanted to hear more about um ultra running then we've got some fantastic interviews with people like uh james Elson from Centurion running um with robert Britton in the 24 hour uh gb team with dean karnassius who's i guess the original ultra runner camille heron 100 mile world record holder
1: harvey harvey as well Harvey's coming up lovely you Harvey yeah yeah yes. Talking about and he wants to come also. back on
0: the show as well so we can go into more detail um, but yeah, if you do have any suggestions of people you'd like us to interview then let us know if um, if there are any comments that we made or any jokes we've made that don't make any sense to you then do listen to the A to Z of Do Badders uh, the A to Z of Bad Boy Running because that explains a lot of the previous stories that we refer to in one condensed nine <laughs> <an> hour ten <junk>. hour <laughs> <laughs> and remember
1: if you want to drink and listen along to us you can do that but to do it officially make sure that you subscribe to uh beer 52 remember beer52.com forward slash bad boy running is it 295 for 295 you could get eight yeah. beers eight yeah. high and quality state.
0: and a lovely magazine and, and st- it, yeah they genuinely are good beers so uh yeah, it's definitely worth doing. But um, let us know your thoughts. Let us at badboyrunning.com. Get in the Facebook group and suggest your ideas. Let us know what you're up to. And also, if you see any interesting stories from the, the wacky world running out there, I guess we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye Cheers, bye,
2: bye. Bye 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 bye
0: bye 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 Baby, bye 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 bye
1: And give me one more try Cause a love like this Should a never end